This is Unladylike. I'm Kristen. And today on the podcast, we're talking about Barbara Millicent Roberts, better known around the world as Barbie. And joining me today is the girl who can do anything. It's guest co-host and intern Annalie Anonye. <laughs> Hi, Kristen. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, well, thank you, because you were the brilliant inspiration for not just this episode, but also next week's episode, because, yeah, it's going to be a two-parter to talk about Barbie. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I like, I've been so obsessed with Barbie, like since all, well, my whole life probably, but since all the promo and stuff has been coming out for the new Greta Gerwig movie. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the promo cycle for Barbie now is reaching, like it's been going on for like eight years. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, did they cast this in 2005? (laughs) And I am excited to see the movie. The big question for me was like, well, what hasn't been said about Barbie, right? Barbie's been around for well over 60 years now. And for pretty much that entire time, she has been both loved and loathed and debated. And billions of iterations of her have been sold. I think every single gender studies class I've ever had in my life has brought up Barbie in some capacity. I mean, my mom was banned from having Barbies when she was a kid in the 60s. So like, this has been a feminist topic for quite literally forever. Yeah. I mean, Barbie in her little tippy toes, her permanent tiptoes, has had to walk this bizarre and honestly kind of predictable tightrope of being a sexualized doll, an inherently sexualized doll owned by a company that is selling her to children and therefore has to continually try to convince us that she is actually not sexual. She is a role model for girls. And so how dare you? (laughs) And for this episode and next, we are going to be diving into sort of how Barbie came to be, why this doll is such a big deal, and also the legal side of Barbie. Yeah, Barbie's a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) I would say Barbie has spent as much time in the courthouse as she has in her dream house. Yes. Here it is, Barbie's dream house. The wonderful new house for Mattel's famous Barbie doll. It's completely furnished with Barbie's own dressing table, bed, studio couch, TV, and hi-fi. And look, a clothes closet complete with hangers for the Barbie costumes and accessories you buy. And it's even more striking to me, at least, how that tightrope of being a sexualized doll, largely by virtue of her having boobs... That is exactly what lands her and Mattel in court so often. Let's take it back to 1997. 1997 was a very good year for a Danish-Norwegian pop band called Aqua. 
They had a mega hit on their hands with a little song that will get stuck in your head called Barbie Girl. It debuted in the U.S. at like number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. Its music video has been streamed more than a billion times on YouTube. And Mattel spent a number of years suing the band's record label for trademark infringement and was like, no, we cannot. You are sullying Barbie's reputation with this song. This cannot stand. So how did the song come up? Where did they even get this idea for Barbie? So it was apparently inspired by this like big art installation of a planet made out of Barbies. One of the Aqua band members said that immediately gave me the lyric, life is plastic, it's fantastic. And so they say that the song was never really about Barbie necessarily. It was more a commentary on plastic surgery. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like they was try- they're trying to <laughs> try to do a little bit of uh of social commentary and Barbie as kind of just an embodiment of this hyper-feminized like beauty ideal. Okay. The CD booklet for the album even noted the song Barbie Girl is a social comment and was not created or approved by the makers of the doll. And I do appreciate that when they were shooting the video, which of course like has a very Barbie aesthetic, the lead singer of Aqua, who is a brunette, refused to actually do any kind of like Barbie drag. She was like, I'm not going to be blonde. I'm not going to dress up like because that's what the music video director originally was like. Oh, yeah. And you can be Barbie. And she was like, no, no, I'm not dyeing my hair. I'm not doing any of this. I just want to like be in this music video as myself. And that, I will say, turned out to be a good instinct on her part (laughs) because Mattel would have dug in its heels even more. So in 2000, even though the song came out and was a chart topper in 97, I don't know why it kind of took Mattel a beat to lawyer up, but Mattel sues the record label And it brought 11 claims of trademark violation down to the color choice in the music video. So Mattel was like, you're using Barbie pink, you're using Barbie's name. And it went on for years. That's so interesting, too, because I'm thinking about this, like, Barbie pink is like, isn't Barbie, Barbie's just a name. You like, you almost wonder, you're like, to what extent is this copyright infringement? You're like, what if my name was Barbie? What if I was singing about some other Barbie? Rolling Stone magazine actually interviewed Aqua not too long ago about this whole lawsuit. And they were saying, like, really all it did was just, like, gin up more publicity for Barbie Girl. A couple of the band members are even suspicious and thought that Mattel was really doing all of it as just a way to get more press on Barbie, because this was also a time, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, when Mattel was starting to worry about Barbie's relevance and maintaining those crazy high sales. And the case was finally settled. It ends up in appeals court. After five years, the judge in the case concluded his case opinion in which he sided with the record label. He was like, Mattel, okay. He wrote, quote, With fame often comes unwanted attention. 
The parties are advised to chill. That's amazing. (laughs) He's like, this is not important. (laughs) Everyone go back to work. It's so funny, too, because I feel like, like, don't you feel like this would help Barbie? Like, I feel like this is good advertising. This song has been in my head probably my entire life. Well, here's a twist. After Mattel spends five years and who knows how much money suing MCA, being all like, ugh, this song is trash. We've got to protect Barbie. In 2009... Mattel turns around and licenses Barbie Girl to use in an ad campaign. No way. They're like, actually, the song's not that bad anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, they did did soften the lyrics a little bit. So they changed the line, you can brush my hair, undress me everywhere, to you can be a star no matter who you are. Nevertheless, come on, Mattel. Exactly. But the big question is, how did Barbie get here? So Barbie, as the Barbie trailer suggests, she was the first mass market girls doll that was a woman, opposed to baby dolls. We have a real woman that girls, I guess, could carry. Do you know the backstory, though, of how Barbie came to be? Because to me, like one of... One of the most incredible twists in her whole history, yes, like it was this major thing that this was a doll for girls that was not a baby doll, but also Barbie was based off a doll for men. Oh, that just sounds horrible. (laughs) 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 That just (laughs) feels like it sounds so horrible. I don't even know. we're going but that sounds awful (laughs) i know even i said that i know where this is going and it conjured up for me like blow up dolls like no no no. it's actually it's actually a lot more pg so what happened was in 1956 this woman ruth handler during a family vacation in switzerland stumbled on a german doll based on this cartoon character named build lily and the thing about Build Lily was that she was only sold in tobacco and liquor stores. The cartoon character she was based off of was kind of like this cheeky, for lack of a better term, gold digger character. Mm. And her taglines were things like, gentlemen prefer Lily. And whether more or less naked, Lily is always discreet. And apparently, like, German dudes would give lilies like as in the doll not the flowers um maybe with the flowers too i don't know but they would give her to women they were dating which is an odd thing i guess being like hey you're my little gold digger i don't know (laughs) i'm so sorry that sounds so awful also with the like phrase gentlemen prefer lily and then to give it to another woman is so crazy (laughs) (laughs) oh that's such a good point yeah so ruth handler however was kind of surprisingly not scandalized by it she bought a whole bunch of lily dolls to take back with her to this little toy company that she and her husband and a friend of theirs had started up a few years earlier called mattel you can tell it's mattel it's swell and ruth handler though knew that she couldn't just 
take this little sex doll, basically, straight to market. So Mattel did slightly redesign Lily, but more importantly for our purposes, she also gave Barbie a whole new backstory. I mean, in addition to, obviously, changing the name of the doll from Lily to Barbie after Ruth's daughter, Barbara. And Ruth Handler would continually claim that, like, this is the story of Barbie. Like, there was never any Switzerland trip. (laughs) Build (laughs) Lily never existed. She would constantly tell this story about how when little Barbie, Barbara, was younger, Ruth noticed how she and her friends would always be playing with fashion paper dolls. So the kinds of paper dolls that came with a lovely little two-dimensional wardrobe. Barbara and her friends like weren't really interested in baby dolls. They were drawn to the fashion paper dolls because they wanted to role-play as glamorous women. So as the Mattel lore goes, Ruth has this idea of what if, essentially, I make three-dimensional versions of these paper dolls, and that is how Barbie was born. That's so funny, because that's the only story I've ever heard. Like, I feel like that was always the story is like, oh, women's empowerment, they needed a doll that, like, they could play with, as opposed to this. Like, this had some little capitalist undertones. Oh, big capitalist undertones. Side note on Ruth Handler, in 1978, she was convicted of a number of financial crimes, including inflating Mattel's stock price. Like, (laughs) (laughs) shit got kind of wild. And ladies, have you heard of Cozy Earth? I'll tell you someone who has. Oprah. That's right. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things five years in a row. And guess what? It's on my favorite things now, too. Cozy Earth crafts luxury goods that transform your lifestyle. And it's also durable. All products come with a 10-year warranty. Cozy Earth Bedding is temperature regulating and is available in viscose from bamboo and in linen. And when I tell you that the Cozy Earth sheets on my bed right now have made me feel just swaddled in silky, smooth comfort, ugh. I'm also loving my bamboo stretch knit pocket tee designed to be effortless and free flowing and get this helps prevent night sweats. Cozy Earth has also provided an exclusive offer for Unladies today up to 35% off site wide when you use the code unladylike. So head to CozyEarth.com and check out their bedding, loungewear, and bath essentials and enjoy up to 35% off site-wide with the code UNLADYLIKE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the funniest things to me about Barbie is the fact that Ken, her longtime love, was named after Ruth's son, Ken, as in Barbie's brother. Like IRL, Barbie and Ken, brother-sister. <laughs> but the dolls they made into love interests. And Annalie, I have to now show you Ken's debut commercial. It all started at the dance. Barbie, the famous teenage fashion model doll by Mattel, felt that this was to be a special night. And then it happened. She met Ken. Now Ken and Barbie meet for lunch at school, go to fraternity parties, and just relax together. He was a frat boy. (laughs) (laughs) It's also like funny because I feel like the stories just keep getting mixed up because aren't they supposed to be in high school? Because they were like, Barbie's 16, now Ken's Ken's a frat boy, but they're going steady in high school, but also they're getting married. There's a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) I think the timeline might be a little bit convoluted. (laughs) Yeah. Barbie is moving fast in an interview, which we'll hear a clip from in just a few minutes, but I found this 1994 interview of Connie Chung interviewing Ruth Handler. And Ruth Handler was talking about how both her daughter Barbara and her son Ken super resented the dolls, partly because they were like, Mom, you're never around and you're just selling all these dolls everywhere. And she said that Ken was especially upset because kids would make fun of him since Ken the doll doesn't have a penis. Oh, that's, that's so tough. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I would be really happy if, like, the most popular doll in the world was named after me. But I just love this contrast between Ruth Handler and these dolls and, like, the torment at home that her children were enduring. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I will hand it to Mattel. Barbie debuts in 1959. And the fact that within a few years, she had become the It doll is pretty wild. Because at first, like, big companies, like big department stores and stuff were not down with carrying her because they were like, how are we going to sell a doll with obvious boobs to little girls? Yeah, I feel like the way they did that was Barbie, like, just as a role model. Barbie was a flight attendant, and Barbie was president, and Barbie was a judge. Like, all my Barbies had all these cool roles that kind of, like, maybe juxtaposed the, like, very sexual nature of the doll, if that makes sense. You hit the nail right on the head. Really, the brilliant marketing that Mattel struck was to sell Barbie as a role model. And so their way in to sell this, especially to moms, was, hey, look, you know, we know, we know Barbie has boobs. Okay. (laughs) We know she's really hot. But look, she is a role model of beauty and poise and aspirational femininity 
for little girls. And in fact, Barbie's original backstory was that she was a teenage fashion model, hence all of her clothes and changing outfits, from a fictional town called Willows, Wisconsin, to present her as this wholesome Midwestern girl next door who, yes, also happened to have boobs unlike her doll contemporaries. Someday I'm gonna be exactly like you. Till then I know just what I'll do. Barbie, beautiful Barbie. I'll make believe that I am That's so funny that there's a wedding dress again. I really don't think they're playing this like Barbie 16 or <laughs> they're saying it's okay to get married at 16. It's funny. It keeps coming up. Well, and I think that's part of the early 60s aspirational femininity of don't worry, she might look mature, but all she's really dreaming of is becoming a beautiful bride. Because for Mm -hmm. listeners, in Barbie's very first commercial, you see, for most of it, her cycling through all of these very chic outfits and accessories. And then it just zooms in on Barbie in a wedding gown as it's saying, like, Barbie, I'll pretend I'm you. They even applied the same role model ethos to the boobs. Not to keep <laughs> harping on Barbie's boobs, but y'all, like, so much of Barbie's longevity and also her controversy all comes back to the boobs. So this is a clip of Ruth Handler's 1994 interview with the iconic Connie Chung. Why was it important to you that this doll have breasts? The whole idea was that a little girl could uh, dream dreams of growing up and every grown up that she uh, saw had breasts. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I really, okay, well, I haven't seen it yet, but I've been thinking a lot about, like, Judy Blooms. Like, I must, I must increase my bust. Mm -hmm. Like, I was thinking about that so much because a few of my friends went to go see the movie, and I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I guess little kids do, like, I remember being, like, in middle school and being like, I wish my boobs would get bigger, but I feel like it's weird to think that, like, adults, like, want that for kids, I guess. You're like, let a, let a little kid be flat-chested. <laughs> right. And I also got such a kick out of the way she put it of like, well, every grown-up in a girl's life has breasts. It's like, yeah. do they? <laughs> All of them? By the 1980s, though, she, had, she Barbie was fully into what feels like kind of like proto-girl power. Like before we had Spice Girls in the girl power era, there was Barbie and her whole tagline of, we girls can do anything. You know it, and so does your little girl. We girls can do anything. Right, Barbie? Right, Barbie. And we girls can dream anything. Right, Barbie? Right, Barbie. Anything is possible as long as we try. In that 1985 Barbie commercial, we see Barbie the astronaut, Barbie the gymnast, Barbie the businesswoman in an inexplicable hat. And side note, it is funny that, that God, Barbie's just working all the time, right? Exactly. Job after job after job. (laughs) Barbie never gets a break. (laughs) 
Okay, so do we get to learn a, a bit about maybe your favorite Barbies or the worst ones ever? Okay, yeah, you know, Mattel and Barbie, they they definitely had some flops and it didn't take long for 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 Barbie to I would say betray the young girls playing with her cuz in 1965 for instance, Slumber Party Barbie came with a scale, a weight scale, and a book, How to Lose Weight. And that book featured the tip, don't eat. Yeah, I mean, that's like just playing in so well to everything that you hear about Barbie and like eating disorders. And I think it's so interesting because I feel like Mattel's always pushed back and been like, this is a real woman. And then you get something like that and you're like, I don't know how to respond to that. That's horrible. I will say, you know, product of the time as well in the 1960s. We think diet culture right now is out of control. It was even more, I would say, normalized back then. But uh, but still, why? Just the fact that she's bringing a scale to a slumber party, that is unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> Great Shape Barbie doll comes with leg warmers bag and exercise book. New from Mattel. And then, of course, there is, in terms of body image and representation, there is the very obvious fact that Barbie is white, 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 white. Yeah. And there was no black Barbie until 1980. That is 21 years after white Barbie debuted. Mattel did give Barbie her first black friend named Christy in 1968. When the company, though, hired its first black designer, Kitty Perkins, in 1976, Kitty was not interested in relegating black girls to friend of. She was like, Christy, you're fine, but like, we can do better, right? Black girls should get a Barbie, too. So Kitty Perkins really painstakingly created that first black Barbie. And I think about, like, I think Barbie over generations has been so different because I had Black Barbies. And I think part of the reason maybe my grandma was resistant to giving my mom Barbies is because Barbie, when she was young, was always white. There was quite literally no representation then. They're so much better now, though. Like, there's a lot of pretty kind of diverse Barbies. I know in 2016, they introduced three new body shapes. So there's like <laughs> petite Barbies, tall Barbies, the curvy Barbie. And I always love like the role model Barbies. Like I feel like they're so good at those. It just like showing kind of Barbies in like incredible different spaces and careers. So I know there's like Shonda Rhimes one, there's a Naomi Osaka one, Sky Brown, the skateboarder has her own Barbie now. Yeah. And I mean, it's clear that Mattel has tried to put a lot more effort into more inclusive Barbies. Last year in 2022, it expanded its fashionistas line to include Barbies with vitiligo. There's Barbie with a prosthesis, a hearing aid. Um, and then most recently in 2023, Barbie introduced its first doll with Down syndrome. So clearly effort is being made, but like the first hurdle that it seemed to take Mattel way too long to get over was creating the first 
black Barbie that was not just what they used to do originally, which was take the exact same doll mold and just dip dye the Barbie and then make it quote unquote black. Yeah, no, I had, I had fully black Barbies, but, and like, I think like, so probably the time I was playing with them was like maybe 2004 to 2008 ish, maybe around that age. And by then they had, they had black hair too. So like Barbie's hair texture was different and stuff. So I think maybe my mom was a little better assured giving me Barbies that were not dip dyed. I don't think, I don't think she would have been able to cough up money, money to do that. That's just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see her standing in line at Toys R Us to buy it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I am glad that by, at least by like, you know, the early 2000s, Mattel was starting to catch on. And I think that part of the credit to that whole shift is because of Bratz dolls. Yeah. Because those were starting to outsell Barbies, and they were like, oh, wait, hold on. You mean kids out here are getting tired of only white fashion dolls? Okay. <laughs> we need something a little bit better. <laughs> going going back in time, though, back to 1975, Annalie, had you ever heard of Growing Up Skipper? No, I'd never heard of it. So before I show you the commercial for Growing Up Skipper, I have to go ahead and tell you that the National Organization for Women (laughs) publicly protested this doll because they were like, okay, Mattel, you're taking things too far. And uh, the doll's tagline was, two dolls in one for twice as much fun. Meet new Growing Up Skipper. She's two dolls in one. Because when you turn her arm, you can make her change instantly from a little girl to a tall, slender teenage doll, which is something you can't do. Now, what did you notice about this doll that gets taller? Oh, my goodness. So much. Well, first off, for anyone not seeing the video, the minute the doll gets taller, her boobs get like five sizes bigger. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They just like come right out of her chest but one thing that i was thinking which i think was like oh kind of gross the like kid version she becomes skinnier which i was Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's just like a horrible message for little girls it's like oh yeah you can be not tiny now but like when you're a teenager you need to be really skinny yeah it's like once you hit puberty you're gonna get taller your waist is going to cinch and you will instantly become a c cup yeah (laughs) all overnight (laughs) actually if you put your arm down it'll happen (laughs) (laughs) it was a kind of version though of the of the judy bloom we must increase our bus but yeah so the the national organization for women was like mattel if you leave growing up skipper on the market then you need to bring out a growing up ken where he twists his arm and a penis grows (laughs) <laughs> but of course, that means they would have to actually give Ken a penis. See also IRL Ken's childhood trauma. <laughs> so that never happened. You know, considering that they hated the Aqua song so much, if this was <laughs> feels like I feel like maybe they were sexualizing Barbie a little bit. And and I will say, like, I, I don't think growing up Skipper lasted too long. I think people were pretty pretty weirded out by that. Did they have anything similar for Ken? I know I've seen Ken dolls that would grow like a beard or something like that. 
Wet the play razor and you can take off Ken's beard and mustache. Then put it on again with this beard marker. Oh. But probably the closest, <laughs> very accidental on Mattel's part, maybe one of their most sexualized editions of Ken came around in 1993 with a little product called Earring Magic Ken. And this Ken doll came with, of course, a pierced ear. This Ken doll was also wearing a faux fur vest and mesh shirt. Hello. It's gay Ken. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what everyone's been waiting for is gay Ken. Mattel was had a very uh, homophobic stance mm. towards Ken. They had to protect Ken's uh, straight sexuality, and they would start getting really litigious around this time with any brands that dared to intimate or outright say, yeah, Ken, he's gay, obviously. He and Alan, they're hanging out. Growing up, I just assumed Ken was gay. I feel like all, all my friends like thought was gay. Ken was gay. I don't think that that was anything that was like that controversial, but maybe it was like the 2000s. So we like push it 10 years later. And I think, <laughs> and I think that the, the movie kind of plays up at like Ken's gay trope. You see Ken and Alan together and everything. And I wonder if they're going to play on that maybe in the movie. I hope so. Cause for one thing, learning that. Ken and Barbie, IRL, actually siblings. It would honestly be comforting yeah. to know that Barbie has just been a beard this whole time. And fun fact about Alan, Alan was actually named after Barbara Handler's, named after her husband. So how spicy Oh would that my be? goodness, this makes it so complicated. <laughs> so, yes. so Barbie's boyfriend is her brother. And her, her brother's best friend, who's his boyfriend, is her husband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This gets yeah. a little... I feel like this This is a convoluted family tree, Kristen. <laughs> very convoluted. Yeah. Very convoluted. And speaking of convoluted, let's get back to the courtroom. Okay. Mattel has been in court waging legal warfare on Barbie's behalf from nearly the moment she debuted in 1959. And the first the first big lawsuit they really had to go fight was with that German toy maker it had ripped off that was like, hey, wait, what? No, hold on. That's Lily. What are y'all doing? They were able to finally settle that. And the bigger Mattel got the more intense it became about, we must protect Barbie. Next week, in part two of our Barbie series, we're going even deeper on courtroom Barbie. Barbie's going to be suing a feminist book publisher. Barbie's suing a dominatrix. Barbie even sues a bag of chips. Come on, Barbie, let's go party. Plus, we're talking to Dr. Orly LaBelle, labor law expert and author of You Don't Own Me, the court battles that exposed Barbie's dark side. So many dark sides. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the title could have been like exposed Barbie's dark sides in plural. And in the meantime, unladies, please share your Barbie stories and thoughts. I want to hear all of it. I, I'm sure everyone listening has some sort of direct or indirect relationship with this doll. 
Hello at unladylike.co is where you can send your voice memos and emails. I can't wait to hear from you. Annalie, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. And Annalie, I'll see you soon in part two. Yep. I can't wait. Unladylike is an Unladylike media production, executive produced, hosted, written, and edited by me, Kristen Conger. Mixing and mastering is by Multitude Productions. Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen, and Sarah Tudson. Until next week. The whole idea was that a little girl could dream dreams of growing up, and every grown-up that she uh, saw had breasts. <laughs>